0: To Shingles. Age isn't just a number. Do you have patients 50 or older? They're at higher risk of getting shingles. Don't wait. Talk about Shingrix with your patients over 50 today. Shingrix is indicated for the prevention of herpes zoster (HZ) or shingles in adults 50 years of age or older. Consult the product monograph at gsk.ca/shingrix/pm for contraindications, warnings and precautions, adverse reactions, interactions, dosing and administration information. To request a product monograph or to report an adverse event, please call 1-800-387-7374. Learn more at thinkshingrix.ca.
1: Adenomyosis is a common cause of heavy and painful menstrual periods. It can be bothersome and at times debilitating for people. But how is it best diagnosed and how is it managed? I'm Dr. Shannon Charlebois, Editorial Fellow for the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Today, I'm talking to Drs. Shirin Dayson and Mara Sobel two of the authors of the CMAJ practice article called Five Things to Know About Diagnosis and Treatment of Adenomyosis. They co-authored the article with Dr. Crystal Chan. I've reached them in Toronto to discuss what they know about adenomyosis.
0: Welcome. Thanks for having us. Hi.
1: Thanks for being with us.
0: Can you tell our listeners a bit about who you are?
2: I'm Mara Sobel. I practice general gynecology with a subspecialization specialization in minimally invasive surgery at Mount Sinai Hospital and at Women's College Hospital.
0: I'm sure in I'm in my last year of residency at the University of Toronto, and I'm going to be entering an infertility fellowship at Mount Sinai Fertility. I've been very lucky throughout my residency, actually, to work with Mara Sobel and Crystal Chan on a number of projects related to adenomyosis. And what I found through my reading and through our projects is that adenomyosis is something that affects a lot of women. It's quite common. And we feel that it's really important to talk about the diagnosis and management of this kind of new clinical entity.
1: Sharon, what is adenomyosis? What characterizes it?
0: So adenomyosis is actually a benign condition where we find that lesions of the endometrium, which is the inner lining of the uterus is found within the myometrium, which is the muscular lining of the uterus. And we see that there are inflammatory changes around these lesions. Classically, this was actually diagnosed on histology. And we're now seeing that with advancements in imaging, like specific criteria on MRI and transvaginal ultrasound, um, we're able to make it a clinical diagnosis. Um, We've seen that it's really associated with clinical symptoms such as heavy menstrual bleeding, pelvic pain, which includes dysmenorrhea, dyspareunia, and chronic pelvic pain, subfertility, recurrent miscarriages, and even adverse pregnancy outcomes.
1: Shereen, you say in your article that adenomyosis often coexists with other gynecologic conditions. What can you tell us about that?
0: So I think it's interesting, actually, that on its own, adenomyosis is the only gynecological condition that can cause both heavy menstrual bleeding and pelvic pain. What we do find in the literature from studies that were done um, on imaging and in uh, surgical studies, adenomyosis has been found to coexist with two other conditions, endometriosis and fibroids in a wide range of patients. We've seen studies that say 20%, we've seen studies that say 70%. Basically, we know that they coexist. What's important is that their clinical symptoms can also overlap. So adenomyosis should actually be suspected when the typical symptoms for whatever a patient is presenting with aren't present. For example, if a patient is presenting with endometriosis, they typically have pelvic pain. If they're also experiencing heavy menstrual bleeding, then we should actually be considering a concomitant diagnosis of adenomyosis. Similarly, if a patient is presenting with fibroids, that causes heavy menstrual bleeding. It doesn't typically cause pain. If a patient has pelvic pain in addition to the heavy menstrual bleeding, and we know that they have fibroids, then you should also be considering something like adenomyosis. Sharinet
1: who gets adenomyosis and what is known about why certain people get it and others not
0: so shannon as i mentioned adenomyosis used to typically be found on histology after hysterectomy so if you think about the population that underwent hysterectomy they were classically in their 40s to 50s you know we thought that clinical risk factors like prior cesarean section multiparity previous uterine surgery were important in order to disrupt the endometrial myometrial junction and that might have been the reason the endometrial implants were found However, now that we've actually seen that on imaging like transvaginal ultrasound and MRI performed in young women, even in their adolescence, are finding signs of adenomyosis, we actually think that it could be accounting for a lot of symptoms before women actually reach the typical age group of a hysterectomy. So the clinical diagnosis and the landscape of diagnosis has really changed, and we're no longer really sure what risk factors contribute to this diagnosis. We do also know that it's actually found in up to 30% of women under the age of 40, which is a really high prevalence.
1: Mara, what are the steps in diagnosing adenomyosis, starting with a patient going in to see her family doctor?
0: So probably
2: most cases of adenomyosis can be detected on the history alone. A history of heavy and painful periods is the hallmark of adenomyosis and should be really high on your differential diagnosis when a patient presents with these two symptoms together. Next, on physical exam, with adenomyosis, the uterus is often diffusely enlarged and soft and it is mobile and can be tender on palpation and this is really different from the other causes of similar symptoms so with a fibroid uterus this is usually very irregularly enlarged and you can often palpate the firm fibroids and with endometriosis, the uterus is usually very immobile and fixed, and there's often tenderness or nodules along the uterosacral ligaments. Of course, transvaginal ultrasound can make the diagnosis now and is the first line imaging modality for any individual with heavy and painful periods, both to assess for adenomyosis, but also to exclude other causes of these symptoms, such as fibroids or polyps. Now that ultrasound signs of adenomyosis are better characterized, we no longer need to rely on MRI to either make the diagnosis or to confirm a diagnosis of adenomyosis that's seen on ultrasound. As the ability to diagnose adenomyosis on ultrasound is relatively new, it may be important to use an imaging center that has experience with reporting on adenomyosis or to communicate on your requisition the symptoms of adenomyosis or that you're looking to see if adenomyosis is present.
1: How is adenomyosis managed? What are the different
2: options? Symptom management is the main goal for adenomyosis. So up to 30% of patients may have adenomyosis findings on imaging, but if your patient is asymptomatic, they actually require no treatment. And it's really important to remember that. It's also important to recognize that adenomyosis typically doesn't cause symptoms in menopause So as we have more ultrasounds that are reporting on adenomyosis, if you see this in a patient who's in menopause, uh, typically no therapy is required. For patients with symptoms of adenomyosis, it's important to recognize that usually this is a chronic treatment and uh, lifelong management will be required. Depending on what the patient is presenting with, whether it's heavy bleeding or pelvic pain, care providers should feel comfortable using the common pathways for management of these symptoms. So for example, patients that aren't interested in hormonal therapy can try anti-inflammatories as well as tranexamic acid with good success. In addition, both combined hormonal contraceptives as well as progestins alone are uh, effective for symptoms of adenomyosis. And there are several small studies and expert consensus suggesting that all of these therapies are beneficial for adenomyosis. The best studied therapies include the levonorgestrel intrauterine device and DynaGest. And there are several studies on the levonorgestrel IUD that shows that this is a very effective therapy for both pain and heavy menstrual bleeding associated with adenomyosis. In addition, Dynagest, which most of us are more comfortable using for endometriosis, may also be effective for pelvic pain. However, um, can cause some bothersome spotting, which may not be ideal uh, for patients whose main presentation is heavy bleeding. In general, if first line therapies fail after about three to six months, referral to a gynecologist is recommended. A gynecologist may choose other medical management options such as a GnRH agonist or antagonist or may refer a patient on for uterine artery embolization, which is another effective therapy for adenomyosis. But ultimately, hysterectomy is the gold standard and is a common reason for patients to undergo
1: hysterectomy. And considering a woman with heavy or abnormal uterine bleeding, when should we be thinking about doing an endometrial biopsy? That's a
2: really important point. Any woman over the age of 40 with abnormal uterine bleeding, as well as any woman under age 40 with abnormal bleeding who has other risk factors for endometrial cancer or endometrial hyperplasia, for example, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome or elevated BMI, Uh, should undergo an endometrial biopsy as part of the workup for abnormal uterine bleeding. So a lot of women who ultimately are diagnosed with adenomyosis would have an endometrial biopsy as part of their workup because this
0: classically presents as a change in uh, their menstrual bleeding.
1: Sharin, does adenomyosis affect fertility?
0: So I think we're seeing now that emerging evidence does actually suggest that adenomyosis may have an impact on fertility. And this is important to realize that even if patients only have ultrasound evidence of adenomyosis and not clinical evidence like heavy menstrual bleeding or pain, they may still have trouble getting pregnant. Um, We're seeing that there are higher rates of ultrasound evidence of adenomyosis found in women presenting with just infertility. And patients with adenomyosis may actually have less success with fertility treatments like in vitro fertilization. It's important to realize that this is very new evidence, and there's a lot of research coming out. And family physicians now should really just follow the usual referral guidelines for patient presenting with subfertility or even recurrent pregnancy loss. Um, but this should be something that's highlighted on the requisition for an ultrasound in patients presenting with these concerns, um, or in the referral guidelines in the referral requisition to a fertility provider.
1: Mara, what do you want physicians to remember and keep in mind regarding anthenomyosis?
2: So we really want care providers to recognize that adenomyosis is a common condition, and it should be considered in all patients in all age groups that present with pelvic pain as well as heavy menstrual bleeding. Adenomyosis can now be well seen on ultrasound, but it's important to remember that 30% of patients will have findings of adenomyosis on imaging, but remain asymptomatic, and these patients do not require therapy. Finally, adenomyosis is a relatively new clinical diagnosis, and we want to empower care providers to both diagnose and feel comfortable treating symptoms of adenomyosis. Care providers should feel confident in starting first-line medical management for symptoms of adenomyosis and can use the same pathways that they are familiar with for the treatment of heavy bleeding and painful
1: periods
0: that they're used to using.
1: In closing, do you have any summary remarks?
0: I'd just like to say that adenomyosis is a common gynecological condition that really affects a lot of patients throughout their reproductive lifetime. I think it's really important to recognize it in order to empower patients to recognize that they have this condition and to give them options for treatment. We are really expanding the research in this area, and we will um, continue to find out more treatments and more management options for patients with this uh, condition that can really affect their quality of life.
1: Thank you both for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you.
1: I've been speaking with Dr. Mara Sobel and Dr. Sharon Dason. To read the article they co-authored, visit cmaj.ca. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the CMAJ podcast on SoundCloud or a podcast app, and let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating. I'm Dr. Shannon Charlebois, Editorial Fellow for CMAJ. Thank you for listening.